everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the, the two, two horny girls. Today we're talking about food, food, food. Food, 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 food. Oh, food, 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 food? Oh my Did God. you Let- food, food today? I food, food today. And you know what I know what I made today? What food, food? I made a little, okay, so, um, I don't know. Oh, I shared with the goatees, but, uh, uh, Prisca knows about this. I am oh. going into a crazy tinned fish obsession. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think that was your unsolicited pick last, last week. Yes? <sighs> that's right. That's right. But, like, I have spent hundreds of dollars. Girl. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so <laughs> stupid, but it's also amazing. Like, oh. I didn't like it at first, but as yeah. I ate more different types of tin seafood over time, oh my I God. literally am having it for every meal. <gasps> oh, okay. No wonder your skin looks amazing. And I bet your blood vessels look so good, too. Because, right? Omega-3s. Like, isn't it, like, good for you? <laughs> and your heart is, like, pumping so well. I hope so. I mean, I do feel very healthy eating it. And so yes. I, I, like, had, I made, like, this um, cream cheese tomato. I saw, so Prisca was going on, like, a tomato craze yesterday. <laughs> I'm a tomato fiend, yeah. Tomato <laughs> and like, um, you know, those like tiny, like golden tomatoes, like yep. really like what are they? What kind little, of little cherry tomatoes. Like, like, yeah. But like they're really, they almost look like berries. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's so many varietals. I don't know all the names, but like those are like, it's I would so call them like dewdrops from heaven. They are dewdrops from heaven. They pop mm-hmm. so sweetly in your mouth. Oh. It's like orgasmic. It's so orgasmic. I just made like a sourdough cream cheese toast with them cut up like little berries all over my toast. And then I sprinkled some fresh basil on it. Oh, some salt. Added some tinned fish. Yeah. And then I added tinned fish on it. I added some smoked trout on that shit, bitch. (laughs) I don't know why I wasn't invited to this like, you know, 8 a.m. party, but (laughs) I wish I was. Girl. <laughs> I just wanted to say TFTI. You know, they say the new Shaku Tree board is now a tin fish board. So tinned we fish. will do a tin fish date night. Okay, tin fish girl summer. Let's go. Let's Tomato go. girl summer. Hot tinned girls fish girl eat summer. Tinned fish Hot bitch. girls eat tinned hot girls eat cold tinned fish, bish. <laughs> hot cold fish, fish, fish. <laughs> fish tish. Yeah. How excited are you to talk about what we gonna talk about today's? I'm so excited to talk about this. Like I think uh this what this episode was like my idea mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be something that we do going forward mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a series that we're calling Two Dishes in which Roxy and I both um, we both ruminate we on so many a series. dish that we <laughs> I know we and we have to continue them because we <laughs> we have a, a penchant for starting them and not like continuing them but but this one's really fun you know but we are gonna so we pick each pick a dish from our childhood mm-hmm. and we ruminate on it and we talk to like our families about how it was made and we're gonna just talk about our memory attachments to them and like maybe kind of sort of get the the kind of recipe for it but as happens with like oral recipes everyone has kind of a different take on what it was yeah true have you noticed that a little bit yeah I mean it's it's always because okay like I was talking to Priska about my friend Jasmine who shared with me you know we were just talking and having a good time over dinner and then I asked her I was like what would be your death row meal you know yeah and then she said it would be my grandma's mac and cheese because I can no longer have it because she's gone. Yeah. And that was not what I was expecting. You know, right. like I, I thought we were going to say like surf and turf, you know, sushi. or sushi or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. But she's like specifically my grandmother's mac and cheese because Aww. no one in her family has been able to crack the recipe ever since her death. Holy and shit. It's and uh, I don't uh, you know it's not like Kung Fu Panda the the secret ingredient is nothing you know it's, it's yeah I don't think that's what it is but it just made me so nostalgic thinking about this topic we're going to talk about today as well I wonder if you're nearing death you revert to wanting just simple childhood flavors and whatever mm-hmm. box that checked that for you is what kind of comes forward more so than any like peaks or valleys that you've experienced. Yeah, it's uh, like not like the three life. Michelin star restaurants or yeah. It's it's just like the flavors, the things that you can never have again that you grew up with. Yeah, because there's a deeper attachment between not just food and like the sensorial experience, but food and memory mm-hmm. and food and 
smell and food and place mm -hmm. and food and people, mm -hmm. which is so crazy because it's such a simple thing. It's a dish, you know? Yeah. And I think what's crazy is both of the dishes we've chosen today are very simple, humble foods. Yes. Am I right? Very, I don't know exactly what yours simple. is yet. Uh -huh. No, no, no. I mean, the, but but it's it's just like something that my grandmother would cook up in like a second. Like it doesn't. Wow. It doesn't take a long time to make because no. uh, as many people know or maybe some of you don't know but in you know Chinese cuisine like yeah. you know you go to a Chinese restaurant there's like 50 million things on the menu and yeah, like yeah, right. everything's like walked up really quickly like any kind of dish right. like super fast and it's so flavorful and it's so good you know it's always yeah. made by someone's like uncle in the back you know and totally like, but it's it doesn't take like a long process it's not like you're braising a brisket or anything like no. that but it's these flavors that you don't really think about on your day to day unless it's yeah. something really poignant. Right. But that's what makes it so ineffable because I feel like, you know, OK, like not everything, but a lot of like American or French dishes. It's like, all right, like do this, do this and then braise it for two, three hours. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of trusting the ingredients to do a lot of what they do mm -hmm. if you follow the technique enough. But I think with um, let's just say like wok cooking. Yeah the prep has to be done so well mm -hmm. like the, the way they prep the vegetables the way, and that's how they cut it how they prepare them like either salting it or letting it train or letting it soak or whatever it is and then it's like these micro movements in their wrist for their walk kung fu like the way their skill in managing and moving the walk mm -hmm. the heat the temperature of the of the fire the taste of the walk itself and then the movement of the chef and then and then the way it's plated up like all of those little things because it happens in like 15 seconds they all play a role in how things end up tasting that's so okay i going off of that i had like the yeah. most crazy it's not a crazy experience but it was sort of like a out of body sort of reckoning that i've had this past weekend yeah um so out of nowhere one day i woke up and i was like i really want american Chinese food like okay, where you yeah, go yeah, yeah. and get you know like two item combo you know and it's yes. like whatever so I went yeah, to this with place with the fried noodles yeah, yeah the fried noodles I mean sometimes you just want that shit you know like yeah. me and Priska's like no, secret it. fantasy we just I love know. American Japanese <laughs> food like you know Americanized like, Japanese food Americanized Chinese best. food we love the that best. shit the best yeah. and like so I just went to this place called the Hawaiian Chicken Palace or something perfect and, no no but, <laughs> but there's no Hawaiian food and it's just literally <laughs> <laughs> like American Chinese like Hong Kong Express right oh and like, yes and like uh, they had all this stuff out and then they were they were like making the, uh, someone said oh is there beef and broccoli they're like five minutes you know <laughs> like, yeah. it's getting made right and so like they wow. stack up oh it's fresh they stack up like if you guys go it's like you know how they pile up a mountain of food yeah like in that yeah. little container so that you could eat it yeah. for like a week straight and it's like six dollars yeah 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 yeah, okay, yeah yeah exactly so then when they checked me out right it was like ten dollars with tax. Okay, and I like. Okay, I I like had a moment in my head where I was like I got McDonald's for thirteen dollars last week. Yeah, 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 and that was literal like frozen shit. You know what I mean? Like, like no knock on the taste of McDonald's. It's great, yeah. but like literally, it's just shit. Yeah, but then like here's like. I know it's Americanized Chinese food. There's, it's not like super healthy, but it's like real food, right? And then yeah, and yeah. then in this Hawaiian chicken palace, like. They didn't run AC. Oh. And it's like in the middle of the summer, right? Like everyone's hot. They're trying to save money. Oh, my. No. But they're also keeping the costs low for the community. Right. Right. No, it makes sense. I mean, I think what's crazy is, you know, I think a lot of ethnic food, it's considered to be less technical for some reason. I think it's definitely racist, you know, mm -hmm. um, whether that's like Jamaican food or Cuban food or Korean food or Chinese food. It's like. But when you really dig into the cuisine, there's so much technique to it. It's just not lauded by Western society because exactly. they're, they're like, I don't feel like the knowledge is there. Like, how is a dumpling, how is a shaolong bao less difficult to make than a ravioli? I say it louder for the people in the back, bitch. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some great, like, tortellini, great ravioli and stuff, but, like, likewise with a shaolong bao. And... I yeah, I just feel like it, it's such a OK. I also love the YouTube channel made with Lao. Mm -hmm. 
And it's this guy who's like a young Cantonese guy. And he's like, my dad worked in restaurants for a long time. He's always been a good cook. So, you know, as he's getting older, I wanted to capture his recipes on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And when you go through, like he has a beef broccoli recipe. And when you go through that recipe, you realize how many steps it takes, how much technique it requires, how much knowledge of the food it requires, you know? And that's like so crazy because like even earlier I was like, but this takes like five seconds to make. And then Priscilla came yeah. in and was like, but it takes a lot of prep to do that. It's like what we right. don't understand and how we see these cultural differences, how we view them in terms of like, you know, economic standing. Yes. Really? Yeah, but yeah, really yeah. It's just yeah. a different interpretation of like a very similar f- medium, I would say. It's yeah. like a dumpling is a ravioli, spaghetti and noodles, you know? And like, yeah. I think that's why I was having this argument with my friend years ago when Pine and Crane, which is a Taiwanese restaurant oh, yeah. in Silver Lake, yeah. LA, opened because... I was like, yeah. how was a beef noodle soup at that time when it first opened? Yeah. I, it was like $13 or whatever. And it was. It seemed very expensive. Was, the sticker shock was wild. Exactly. And then um, yeah. and then she countered, because and she's Chinese, she countered, she's like, why is it okay that like Italian restaurants get to charge mm. this much for like a spaghetti, whereas, you know, yeah. Taiwanese food is not allowed to be seen in the same level? She goes, I'm yeah. happy to pay right. that amount for, 100%. for this, you know, and then it was wild because, like, yesterday, me and my friends, we were walking along that area, and then we walked, we were all Asian, you know, walked through Pine and yeah. Crane, and then there's just, it's just full of people, you know, willing yeah. to pay that money for Taiwanese yeah. food. And, I mean, at least the food is pretty authentically flavored, really good quality. Mm-hmm. Like, you are getting what you pay for. Do I sometimes wish I could go in with an Asian card and be like, <laughs> okay, but it's $20 for them, but $10 for me, right? Do I wish that? Yes, 100% I wish <laughs> or that. Or you just start but bargaining. It's like, <laughs> Like, let me get three of those yeah. for the price of two. Satya. Yeah, that's just bargaining. It's like, I'll buy two of those, you know? Just yeah. give me the price of one. It's like, if I had a Vietnamese friend opening a bun mi shop, I would want them. I'd be like, charge $15, bitch. Yeah. But if I'm going to a Vietnamese bun mi shop, <laughs> I don't want to pay $15. So, you know, there's a lot we're trying to still figure out. I know, out. it's like, so funny, but, it, but that banh mi is like the best banh mi you've ever had. Best you know? banh mi, yeah. <laughs> but then you're, like you're the, supporting the your friend like in the small flown business. In from, yeah, exactly, exactly. What it's like two rules? different things. What are the rules? What are the rules? What do we do? Um, but okay, I want to get into your dish, Rocks. Mm. I want to I want to hear about it. And I want you to tell us what it is. And the first time you can like clearly remember eating it. I... Uh, when you brought up this topic and, you know, as I was talking about like Jasmine's nostalgic memory about her grandmother's mac and cheese, I just thought about my maternal grandmother. Um, she is such an amazing cook in, mm. you know, the most simple of ways. Like yeah. my mother would always tell stories about how she and her sisters grew up really poor and they all stayed in one giant tatami room. You know, my grandmother and her right. seven kids. And they don't have any money. So she'll be like, and we all just share it, which is like she just stir fries like a bunch of vegetables, cheap vegetables from the store. And then they eat it with rice. And that was their meal for the day. Um, And I think during I would always visit um, Taiwan when I was growing up. Yeah. with my family during the summer and there were times when I stayed with my grandmother in Tainan in her little apartment where she lived by herself I forgot what my parents were doing probably busy shit but um <laughs> you know so then and I was I was still a little kid they probably had to do a lot of extended family stuff and different errands and yeah. um and I just had nowhere to go so I would stay with my grandmother and mm. we we had uh language difference um she okay. didn't really speak mandarin because we were we were from the south we speak hokkien so it was always taiwanese all the time and here i am mm. like not really no i wasn't really fluent in mandarin quite yet yeah and so i would just we would just try to communicate in the most bare bones manner so she'll just let me play my ps1 crash bandicoot and whatever <laughs> like on her tv and then she'll ask to see if she could look at the stock market you know? right um, right just right. like updates like whenever she can because she has some stocks and then she'll cook oh. and then she'll make lunch and this dish is the it's not even like an entree it's literally mm-hmm. just like the noodle that you eat with everything 
Mm. And um, I would say if you're Chinese, the closest that I could say that it resembles is yang chun mian, which is literally mm. the most simple type of like chicken broth noodle, you know, very simple with some yeah. scallions and it's kind of, it's it's doused with some oil and um, very fragrant, zima yo or anything like that. Yeah. But Ooh. with her, it almost had like this, in Taiwanese, uh, Taiwanese culture, we have this dish called la miswa, right? Which is oyster mm-hmm. vermicelli. And then yeah. I would say it's a mix of that oyster. Sometimes she would put oysters in it and sometimes she wouldn't. Okay. But it's like a mix of that oyster flavor with oh. yang chun mian. So kokan, so now I'm speaking Mandarin. So the mouthfeel is very hanyo, very oily oh. and very fragrant. And like, um, and so it's really- So it's sweet. not brothy per se. No, it's not brothy. Okay. It's, it's a dry noodle, but very oily dry noodle. Mm. It's very silky. Okay. It's very silky, but it also has the fragrance of um, xiangwei, oh my God, because like I'm talking about this dish, I'm starting to speak in Chinese y'all i know um, i know because it just brings it you just right brings back you right no? back and, and and like and it's i mean i committed carbicide with these noodles like i <laughs> would i just i just remembered like how fragrant it was it wasn't very salty it was yeah. oily it had like a taste of oysters it had the taste of Ooh. sesame oil and it had scallions in it Ooh. like we would eat it with um Uizu, which is a very Taiwanese thing. A lot of people may not like yeah, this. Yeah, what is that? Um, Uizu yeah. is uh, fish roe. Fish that's, roe. Um, that's very salted, like super uh-huh. salted. Have you had this, Prisca? I think so. It, yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's literally, it looks like a, like lungs, it's really dark. And then yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just one chunk. And then you cut it up into tiny little pieces. Right. Very salty, very preserved. So we would eat that as a side. Um, wow. Or then we'll have, that's advanced for a kid's palate. It's, I mean... I mean, I did not love it, to be honest, but okay, everyone okay. ate yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. would eat, like, the uizu with, like, a slice of garlic and a slice of um, green onion. And, um, wow. Yeah, and then that is so salty. It's like a salt bomb in your mouth, and then you'll eat it with yeah. either rice or the noodles that my grandmother made. Whoa. That's interesting because it almost sounds like... Um Almost sounds like a like when Koreans put a sum together. It sounds like kind of similar. It's like denjang. Yeah, and, it's, and it would be like yeah. how salty denjang is or samjang. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, or, or even like it's just a very salty preserve. I, I gotta. Ooh. We gotta go back to Taiwan and have you try it. We gotta go back. We gotta yeah, go yeah, back. Yeah, I, wanna I think I would have a try deeper appreciation of it now. I think so. Yeah. But that is the dish. That is the dish I miss the most. So basically when you were being babysat by your grandmother, this is the dish that she would make. What kind of noodles? Are we talking rice noodles? Are we talking wheat noodles? Are we talking vermicelli noodles? It's like so many noodles. So many noodles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess because I made um, bibim guksu like yeah, yeah, a few yeah. years ago. And it, so so many noodles uh, are sort of like this. Is it made with flour? Yeah, I think it depends. It's some sort of flour. It, a, I, I know that it can be like noodle. buckwheat or it's a yeah it's yeah a yeah, cold, yeah yeah. I think because it's like white, I just assume it's flour. But right, it's right, more right. like a it's like a liangmian, right? It's okay. It's not. It's not. Um, so I would say it's like made from flour or some sort of rice noodle. But um, got you. It's, it's the closest I could associate this noodle with is salmon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So is that the Japanese influence in Taiwan? Do you yes, think? absolutely. Okay. I think um, that makes sense. You know, and my grandmother spoke Japanese, you know, it's like, it's oh. just crazy because like, I think my grandparents' generation, they all spoke Japanese due to the colonization yeah. period. But like, also it's like, it, they would, she would exchange certain words like in common, like, conversation so it'd be like Taiwanese mixed in with like a word in Japanese you know and this is how like my mom would communicate like you know how like because you have like just this cultural distance and language like disconnect that like everyone like she's stepping down to a very elementary form to communicate with me and I'm also stepping to like a very elementary form to communicate with her but like observing her communicate with like yeah. Um, you know, so for example, she'll be, she'll be like, oh, wakinabe ki kosekai. Oh, like, did you understand wow. any of that, Priska? No, none right. of it. Because it's like in <laughs> well, Ta- maybe one word in Taiwanese. Right. Yeah. So, that's, so that's Taiwanese mixed with Japanese. So she's like, today I'm going to go to the right. temple. So temple is kosekai. Oh. Right. So then wakinabe ki. Like where certain nouns are. Yes. Or that you, they use the Japanese term. And it'll be like, oh. Um, that's fascinating. If you want to buy a souvenir, right? It's like, mm-hmm. li shonbebe 
Tityama omiyage bo, right? So it's like, Whoa. do you want to buy some? The omiyage is the souvenirs or gifts. Oh, so, so interesting. So, like, you know, a lot of like words are just in Spanish. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like a lot of words that we use, uh, you know, when you're out and about, mm-hmm. like you you have s- Spanish nouns for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And there's like kind of no other word for it. But I feel like obviously colonialism and stuff is way crazier. But yeah. it, it like it makes sense that those words were just kind of like in the ether. And so, OK, how often would she make this dish for you? Like how often would you get to eat It was this? pretty consistent. I think it's like sometimes she'll get a little creative. It's like we're always just using sensei, leftover vegetables, right? Like whatever is going bad in the fridge, you would want to use it up. You never want to be wasteful with what you have. So sometimes she'll chop up some cabbage that are going bad and then like throw it into the noodles, you know, like anything, just throw it into the noodles. But it had always the same consistent oily flavor that I really love. Would she just be like stir frying the noodles or would she be kind of just like mixing a sauce into the noodles or like? What was the shamefully because I was like 12. I think I was like 10 to 12 years old when we had this time together. Right. Is that I was always playing my fucking video games in the <laughs> living room and she had no idea what to do with me. Right. Because it's like, yeah, she, the, the apartment was so small. Right. And she's supposed to look after me. Yeah. And we had a language disconnect. And what was I supposed to do? I like wanted to keep myself busy. So all I did was play video games. No, it like, makes sense. Looking at it now, I was like, man, I was a fucking stupid ass kid, you know, like, but, but, you know, and, and. <laughs> no, I get it. Right. We were all, we all did that and we all regret it. And honestly, like so few of us had like that deep of an interest in food. Like it was just what we did as a family. And so it's like the, the, the grandmas cooked it, you know, and then we ate together as a family. So it was just like, so rote Mm -hmm. that I get like, same with me. Like we'd just be watching TV. I have no idea what she was doing. Like, you know, and all of a sudden like these beautiful dishes would appear out of nowhere as if like just landed by the gods or something. Can we just touch a point on that, by the way? Yeah. That somehow in these Asian families, Every single night, there's, like, five dishes for, like, a family. Yeah. It's I crazy. can't even fucking, like, I have to order takeout, you know, by myself. Yeah. Like, and, and here are 100%. these women cooking up a feast every night yeah. for their family. Every night. Like, it's, like, a veg, a veg, a fish, a meat, maybe another veg, and a soup. All the time. Yeah. It's, like, they maybe can do another it in their meat. sleep. Yeah. Because, like, they would wake up and they'd be constantly cooking. And, like, I remember, I like, I think I cooked for my family for a week post-college uh, cause I had nothing else to do. And I was like, oh my God, I, I, and I couldn't put up that many dishes, but like you have to just wake up and your whole day is just like prepping to cook, you know, I know. like you wake up and you're prepping to cook the night before you're prepping to cook. Like after the meal, you're prepping to cook. It, it, it's insane. I'm just like, I'm, I have so much respect for how they were able to do that on autopilot. Because as you get older, yeah. you realize how fucking hard that is that, you know, I'm just playing video games and all of a sudden there's like, you know, the her Yang Sun Mian with like her lumpia, oh. which is like the shrimp rolls that she's famous oh. for. Um, oh. And then like, oh my God, you have the uitsu, right? Which is the the, uh. the cod row or the row that I was So this about. is like a full spread. Uh, yeah, even, even, like, even if it's just the two of us, there's multiple dishes on the table. Wow. And so was this like an after school snack because you're kind of like in 12th grade or was this like dinner, dinner? This was like lunch. I think I stayed with my grandmother on, it was like, I would either stay for her for one or two nights. I think my parents were busy doing stuff. And so um, she just had, I just needed someone to look after me because I was still a kid. And so I would just literally, we, because she, she had like a bad knee, you know, she really couldn't go anywhere without her cane. Yeah. Which is even more, like think about it, even more fucking even shittier that I'm like, didn't understand, you know, that like she, here she was with a bad knee cooking up a storm in the kitchen for right. just the two of us. <laughs> but when you're a kid, you're like, well, I'm just putting up with being with grandma because it's like her house smells weird. And totally. like, I don't know, you know, like totally. Like There's like nothing logic, fun to do. You know? There are like no comics yeah. or anything like that. No other kids to play with. Yeah. yeah. It was just so. It, it's a whole thing. Uh, I, I still remember like, you know, in Taiwan, it's like the units are quite small. You know, yeah. things are it's, it's like literally like a city like, you know, Tokyo is just very condensed. It's like there's not a lot of space, basically. Yeah. And like 
there'll be the table it's very low and the reason why it's low is because your family members could pull out little stools like those little plastic oh, stools yeah yeah so yeah that even and if you sit. don't have a dining table it's like at least everyone has like a little stool to sit on around the coffee table yeah and it's easier to share like oh. we think of ways to make space work for others yeah even when we don't have the capacity or the money to be able to have a proper you know dining right. space for so many people you just made it work well, and this is so crazy because it's like, okay, you're you're a kid. You were like Netherlands, then New Jersey, like figuring life out. But then you go to Taiwan and there's all this influx of flavor. But this dish in particular stood out. Do you do you have a feeling as to why? I think because in that's a really good question. I think looking back on it, these noodles are so simple. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think she puts fucking garlic in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, it's mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. simple. It's so fragrant. It just looks like Yangtun Mian. It, it just looks very bland. But yeah. the flavor is unlike anything I've tasted ever since. Like, wow. I've never had anything else like it. There's no restaurant yeah. that can make it. And when you when you have something like that, where it's like, I can't figure this quite the fuck out. And like my yeah. mom has never made it for me. I don't even think she I don't even, she never talks about this dish because, you know, I, I think growing up, she had very di- different dishes made by grandmother because she was only able to have certain vegetables or cer- certain ingredients at the Afford time. Afford certain things. Right. Yeah. And right. Right. Not right. that it's any more different, but, you know, you evolve your food evolves as you evolve through life. Sure. So, and my mom's been away from the country for so many years at that point. I don't think Mm. this is something she would even think like she probably has a very different idea of a dish that I'm talking about. I bet you, like when I talk to my mom about this, she'll be like, Oh, like what? Like, I don't like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Because for me, it's like those days that I spent with her in her apartment, like just the two of us not being able to talk. Right. But like, always just sitting together eating this food while she's looking at like the stock prices (laughs) and like um and us just slurping these noodles do you remember did were these noodles ever cut up for you did were you using chopsticks at that point yeah 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 what was your little abc brain doing (laughs) yeah yeah they were were fully it's fully taiwanese you know i never ate with forks but like you know i i felt i was always a very good and polite and respectful kid oh baby roxy i'm I'm always i'm always very you know my mom has beat it into me quite literally sometimes (laughs) about like being you know xiaoxing you know just like being really well mannered and like respecting your elders like even if I can't Mm -hmm. communicate I'm always just like wow I really gotta fucking represent my upbringing yeah, my family yeah yeah, yeah 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 oh my upbringing you yeah know, yeah, yeah, show, yeah yeah but then I guess what it really is is showing my grandmother yeah. that my mom is a good parent yes right 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 yeah you are literally you're the quiz I'm the quiz and <laughs> then are, and then grandma yeah. gets to judge whether or not my mother is a good mother by yeah. looking at how she views me so it's just so that I think that's why it's like going off of this really quick it's like I had that insane pressure but you did too is to like be good in Mandarin even though yeah. we never technically grew up you know no, in, Taiwan in Taiwan at all really. but it's like that expectation yeah. that is put on us in order for us to be like we have fulfilled this like family expectation or whatever yeah that and that is so bizarre. It's something I think about all the time now because I I do feel like when you meet someone from like Europe and 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 you know certain parts of Asia, um, there's so many polyglots, mm-hmm. you know, or like you know people from India. They speak so many languages, like Middle East. Like they they're all like bumped up next to these other countries, and so learning another language, keeping your tongue really loose, um, knowing the like speech patterns of different uh, dialects is really common, but just not in the U.S. Yeah, and so the fact that we're so strong bilingual you know and and compared to some kids I would say I'm a a bit lapsed and like my mom would be embarrassed um, by a lot of people like calling us out no I feel like your Mandarin is super good I mean I think what you and I I think what I have is a decent enough accent to get me by but like you know you can have conversations in Mandarin though your conversation yeah I can like order food and like I can understand (laughs) things you know and I can like chat um but you know it's just the fact that we're bilingual is a huge testament to how much our parents and grandparents kind of like invested time and energy into us, you know? Mm. 
And also, like, it does show, like, our desire to be respectful and to somehow, like, have an interest and show an interest in our culture, you know? Because, mm. like, me and Rose grew up, my sister Rose grew up in the same household, but she just didn't have a huge interest linguistically to, like, keep up with the language. And to be fair, like, I would be her translator for so many things, you know? Mm. Um, and so it, I just feel like, I feel like we have this kinship, you and I, because we chose a very similar path in terms of like wanting to keep that communication instead of forcing someone over to our side. I think if you didn't exist, like it would be different for her. Yeah. Like she would have to carry yeah. that, you know, but it's, it's also sure. beautiful because um, we get to have like a different insight and a different yeah. ability, an ability to really conversate. Right. And it's not, it's something that I feel that as we get older, we appreciate a lot more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that I would say it's like my grandmother's yang chun mian, but before we get into, like, the ingredients of, like, how to make it, yeah. like, I want to know about you, Priska. Like, I'm so yeah. curious to hear what your dish is and what the genesis of it was. Well, okay, I think very similarly, it's also my grandmother, and very similarly, it's also a very simple, simple <laughs> dish. Um, it's basically, like, lu ro, mm -hmm. but... Um, it's like we would call it jiang guo ro in our house. This is summer. So it's like, <laughs> what is that? I know. I don't even think it's like really a thing. Although I think maybe like she learned about it in like they grew, my dad grew up in like Nanto. Mm -hmm. So like I think maybe for whatever reason, maybe being up in the mountains in a village, mm -hmm. uh, it was easier to get like pickled stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's literally like pickled cucumbers but pickled in soy sauce mm. so it comes in a oh. jar yeah wait 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 do you cut eat this with um like like dough with porridge do you eat is i i think so it's like one of those like salty acidic condiments that would go with something like plain i know you what know? you're talking about you that know shit exactly is so what it is fucking good it's so good so what she would do is chop it into little bits and then basically stew it with um ground pork the way you would with like the roux. <gasps> But I guess I'm guessing because like a lot of people don't quite know. I'm guessing it's because it was a lot more straightforward than putting together everything for Luro, where you, if she's making like eight mm. dishes for her, her five kids, you know, she was like, let me get a, a, a very straightforward staple on the table. So I guess my dad grew up eating it. Um, my my aunts would call it hua gua ro. So it's like because that's like a cucumber, right? Uh. Cucumber. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh, so. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and so she would basically cut up the jiang gua and then uh, stew it with the ground pork. Uh, but my mom remembers, and I do remember too, that she had a very specific way of dealing with ground pork, which was to add water to it uh, and, and like massage it and like mix it the way you would dumplings, mm -hmm. like in one direction mm -hmm. to kind of like, I guess, tenderize the meat because the meat had a very specific like texture. It wasn't as like bouncy or... Um, like a tight butthole, like in a lot of like Luro, like it's uh -huh. more, more snappy. This was very like, very like soft in the mouth. Mm. And then, and then the jiang gua was like, she would also put the sauce from the, the brine or the pickling brine uh, into it and just cook it with like water, pickling brine, and nobody knows what else she put in there. Uh, and then she put the pickles and then just stew it or, or braise it for like an hour or two and that would be it what does it taste like so it's like very similar to luro but then it's got like little pops of like acid but maybe not even pops it's got like a acidic pickly taste throughout uh -huh. but i can't but it's also like sweet it's it's not like it's not sour in the way same like like kimchi right, is. Right. it's got that luro sweetness mm. and then you really taste the pork but then it's got like a little like pickly flavor and then you just eat it over white rice and when I tell you like I ate this every day for every meal I ate it every day for every meal for probably like eight or nine years wow. and then like you know we were really active as kids mm -hmm. so it would be our uh afternoon snack so we would come home and it'd be that and maybe some like stir fried veggies eat that over rice like eat two bowls of it and then go do homework um or like go do whatever sports you're doing in the afternoon and then we'd eat it for dinner. My mom didn't really love it, but it would always be a side with dinner because she knew like, 
you know, kids are kind of hard to, to especially if everyone's eating like bitter melon and like, you know, more challenging yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would always be the things that the kids could eat it no problem. So the three of us could eat it. Whatever cousins were over could eat it no problem. And it was just like uh, every meal. I would sometimes even eat it for breakfast. It, because, is it just like a giant pot like in your kitchen? Yes. And it's like anytime you could just scoop up some rice from the rice cooker and you could always. Scoop yeah, up. that's so amazing. And then when I went to college, she knew how much I loved it. And I believe when I first went to college, they were still living with us. Um, she would like freeze me gallon size Ziploc bags, freeze them flat. And like, I would bring them with me to college and then share it with my college friends. So it was like, yeah. (laughs) So cute because like when Prisca makes Luro and she makes a huge batch, you you know, in a way you're honoring the way that your grandmother has like raised all of you through her cooking. Like Prisca would make a huge batch of Luro, like publicize it (laughs) on social media and be like, who wants like some? And then she like delivered during the pandemic. And she's like, you know, put this in your freezer. And then if you want it, you could defrost it. Like it's just so beautiful because it's like these practices have like trickled down to you. Yeah, that's thank you for saying that. That actually means a lot to me because she was like even at our church with a lot of Taiwanese and Chinese people, she was the cook. She was the known like everyone knew that she had a way with like flavor in her fingers type of Mm. thing. Like, you know, like the the table would be like struggling under the weight of the food that she would put out. Um, And this dish is so precious to me. And um no one's been able to replicate it. (laughs) So I want to try and see if I can get even close. I asked different people in my family for the recipe. I asked my aunt. uh, I asked my dad. My mom would observe her making it. Everyone has kind of a different process and a different method. But I think the thing with these dishes is um, it's kind of like that meme that is like, it was 2002 and I checked Neopets for the last time and like, <laughs> like check Zanga and then like, you know, put on like Simple Plan. And that was the last day I was going to do that. But I didn't know it. Um, mm. It's kind of one of those things where one day mm. this dish no longer appeared in my life and has disappeared completely. And it went from compl- like so ubiquitous to one day it was the last time I ate it and I don't know when that was exactly um, but it was probably 10 years before my grandmother passed and um, when she kind of entered her uh, dementia and Alzheimer's journey Um, but like I think that's what leaves such a hole is like it was so alive and so constant and it goes away without kind of our real understanding of it until we really reflect on what it meant and the and the hole that it filled in our lives, you know. And then uh, one kind of sweet, not sweet, but sweet things about my grandmother and her like Alzheimer journey was that the reason they found out that she had Alzheimer's was she bought a bunch of eggs, like I think like three or four dozen eggs to make um, lu dan. Mm-hmm. And she bought so many of them and then I guess had forgotten she bought eggs. So went the next day and bought another round of eggs. So she ended up making the loot then and giving Mm. away to everyone in her apartment complex. But then the eggs that she had bought the day before or whenever, they went rotten. Um, And so my my dad and and his sisters, they, they realized that she was going senile and had Alzheimer's. Because like she was trying to serve people oh food and like and like that's how they realized like she had forgotten oh um, what she was doing and things. But it's kind of a sweet. I mean, it just shows it's like her priority. Is. Yes, is about serving yeah. people and feeding others and like yeah. It's so it's so it's so weird because like I think in our generation and our current landscape and like you know we're becoming more childless you know we Mm. we are more stressed about money and finances you know it's like really friendships rather than families because i mean we live in one of the most expensive states in the country and in the world um and it's like our priorities are different you know and just like reflecting back on these vignettes just you telling me about your grandmother about this giant pot that's always readily available to feed you and your growing sisters and like you know my my you know my grandmother like being able to feed everybody within like all these mouths to feed yeah. every single day daily because no one could afford to eat out right it's like seriously such a superpower it we we're so lucky, we are so lucky. honestly we're so lucky mm-hmm. 
Um, well, we're going to take a little breaky break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about these recipes and do a little unsolicited picky pick. <laughs> uh, we'll see you in a second. See you in a second. If you're ever nodding along while listening to Two Horny Goats, we we totally get that we might not always agree on everything, but we're aimed at approaching each conversation with as much safety, balance, and compassion as we can. If you're enjoying this pod, please share it with a friend. Share it over lunch. Share it while you're in the car together. Share it when you don't want to talk. Just listen to us so that we completely infiltrate your mind, body, and soul. We love you. Spread the good word. Stay horny. think there's so many fictions that we inherit that weren't ours and a lot of them have to do with exactly what you're saying capitalism patriarchy heteronormativity cisnormativity white supremacy and i i do love to read but i don't like to read these particular fictions anymore hi goatees hope you're enjoying today's episode last season we had the honor of interviewing poet activist and educator genevieve ting if you haven't heard this episode yet add it to your queue now for the vast majority of my life, I was socialized as an Asian American woman. I still feel a great connection to like the femininity that lives inside of my body. And if womanhood was like this house that I was sort of like indoctrinated into, you know, for the longest time, like I knew the blueprint of the house, I knew that house well. I started to identify as non-binary and I was like, I don't want to be in this house. I want to be in my body. Genevieve has a knack for using language to slice through convention to create new, beautiful things. It's intoxicating. It was a privilege to sit down with them and learn more about the intricacies of their gender identity journey. I I feel like I'm so much of me is dying as I'm rebirthing myself. There, there is the very easy narrative of like, I'm finally becoming the person I want to be and that's great, but there also has to be space for like the messy reality, which is like, I'm also dying yeah. and I'm also like putting myself to rest all the time. And it's okay for me to like be mourning myself because it happens and transition also means change. We hope you take a listen. Head to twohornygoats.com slash episodes slash queerness to listen now or find the episode on Spotify and iTunes. Okay, now back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Um, as usual, Prisca's just doing her usual thing of breaking my heart open and like making me think about <laughs> our past lives and all of these things. Um, it's crazy. You know, this week, uh, my grandma, vis- other grandma, but my grandmother visited me in my dreams for the first time <gasps> in a really long time. What happened? Yeah. Um, she was just in my house and she was like talking about plants. <laughs> and then she looked at me. And she was like, she was like, I hope you're still doing film and music. And she gave me the biggest hug. And I woke up with just tears going down my face. I woke up from the tears flowing down my face. I haven't had that experience in in years. And it was just so sweet. And then that same day, I was going through my iCloud and cleaning it up as one does, because it's just like screaming at you to like buy more. Mm-hmm. Um, and footage that I thought was stolen on the camera that remember when we had our equipment stolen? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like uh, back when Roxy was we were scouting our a music video location, we had all of our camera equipment stolen and my camera was in that. And I thought uh, I thought that footage on that camera got stolen. I found it in my <gasps> iCloud. It had somehow backed up. Yeah. And it was footage of me going back to Taiwan and um, uh Uh, cleaning out Lynette's apartment, my aunt Lynette, which was my grandmother's youngest daughter. Um, And I just felt like they were somehow interconnected because I, yeah, it was just, it was very emotional. And I finally went through all that footage and um, just really remembered like all the things I was going through and like really feeling this like heritage moment, you know, of like loss, but um, gaining entree into my mother's childhood, my family's history. So that was like a very, I feel like this topic is also very in line with just what I've been going through this week as well. It's uh, it's never just about food, right? Because it's 
about yeah. history and storytelling and what we pass on and what we've received. Mm-hmm. And I think what really resonates to me about these two dishes is there's no where, no place, no one that can replicate something. Yeah. And you you know how like I've always wondered about this how you could imbue emotions and music even yeah. though you're just like it, it, it's a device yeah but yeah, how yeah, you yeah. play it and it's like oh piano is a key it's already tuned yeah how do you imbue such feeling and with food right it's like you go to a really nice restaurant but you could taste that the food lacks love yes yeah yeah even yeah. though it's perfectly cooked right there's yeah. this, it's perfectly presented yeah it doesn't mean that it's for you. Exactly. So mm-hmm. about these like ingredients, maybe it's not a literal ingredient. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of the, you know, in Friends, like when Phoebe's like, oh, my grandmother's chocolate chip cookies were the best, but it was just Nestle Toolhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nestle Toolhouse. But, yes. but like, the, I think there's a deeper message in that where they tasted so good because your grandmother's making it for you because yes. they're imbued with love, because they're presented in a way that like it, it, it's beyond the sum of its parts and, and and therefore completely ineffable and unattainable, you know, and we're younger and we're eating these things when our taste buds are fresh and uh, learning and probably I've burned my tongue so many times, probably a lot greater in number. And so I feel like we'll never experience that kind of like fire hose of intense flavor and pleasure uh, the way that we did as kids. And it's so instamped in us, you know. And I think like there's also something subconscious about it. Well, where you know that this is the person making it for you. Yeah. And that makes it even more special. You know, because yeah. of your your connection, your tie, the way that they show their love through service, because that's right. love language in Asian communities, right, is love through service. Yeah. And I think that's what that's what longing is. I think longing is created when you had something that you didn't know you had. And then when you lose it, that that becomes longing. So yeah. if you had known what you had as a, as a kid, you wouldn't have the longing for that that you have now, you know? And mm-hmm. and to be fair, you were a kid, you could not have known. And that's part of the beauty of it, that somebody loved you so consistently and so well, but you didn't even know how special that was. And now that, you know, we're adults, we were independent and all these things. Oh, man, sometimes I wish like these amazing dishes could appear before me made with so much love. And I think that's like what's beautiful about sadness, too, because I know sadness is not a feeling that we like to sit in. But because we have sadness is because we sat there with love. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. (sighs) Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm getting so emotional. I'm getting so emotional. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Prisca, it's like 12 o'clock on a Friday. What the fuck? I'm like, (laughs) we should be having uh, mimosas, not like, we should be having mimosas and apple spirits and like eating tin fish. But you know, one day, you know, there's, I'm going to be an auntie to somebody or I'm going to be a stepmom to somebody. And then I'm going to be like, eat this tin fish, babe. I was like, it comes off the coast. (laughs) And then they'll be like, no one preps tin fish the way that auntie Roxy did, you know, or something like that. Like hopefully, you know, it will still transfer in a similar manner or at least like also I think the energy of sharing food with that person yeah yeah is what makes it special special. yeah just knowing that you enjoying it was joyous for them is kind of cool as an adult to realize you scarfing that down and committing carbicide like (laughs) (laughs) probably even without being able to communicate that linguistically like made your grandmother so happy you know like I always ask for second servings and then my mom's like you need to lose weight and I'll be (gasps) like man if I could just go back I'd be like fuck that like you're never gonna gonna eat this again yeah I'm gonna gonna freaking gorge myself and she always made like a lot you know yeah I I always felt like oh it's such a shame for me to not take a advantage of that opportunity to eat more of these delicious noodles yeah that you know again it's like you the last time you've had something you never knew that was going to be your last time 
Yeah. yeah. And I think what makes this Jianghua Rou dish special, <laughs> though, it's it's literally probably like how maybe some American families, it's like hamburger helper or something. You know what I mean? It's literally yeah. like uh, a pre-seasoned kind of ingredient. Like, like none of the dishes that you and I are talking about aren't yeah. like elaborate entrees. No, not at all. But, but I have a question. Like, yeah. so after... Your grandmother stopped making Jiangguaro. Like, yeah. did your family ever try to keep this tradition alive or bring it back? Um, I I know my dad's tried. He he hasn't been happy with the results. Um, mm. He's been eating it since he was a kid. Uh, my mom started really making like her own kind of version, which was more like luro. Um, like it, it was like maybe not as heavily spiced. It was more like, but and it had wine in it. Apparently, my grandma's mm-hmm. recipe didn't have the cooking wine, and um, maybe more like she wouldn't put all five spice in there, but she would put some like five spice adjacent flavors, and she would top it with like a lot of finish it with a lot of cilantro. So that was like kind of different. That's you know, so good. That is more like Taipei. That's honestly such a yeah. Taiwanese thing to like put exactly. cilantro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're and, like and the like, Mexican. We're the Mexican. We're the Mexican. I know. It's like, uh, it's, it's like, yeah. But like, you know, it, it was just such a different dish and I still really liked it. And my mom's kind of like way of doing things is kind of how I start the base of my luro still you know i i've like read other recipes or have other things but like that's still more so the style that i learned it because she's also like my mom would more so like um stir stir like not stir fry the meat to get it uh get it like crispy or or mm-hmm. have the maillard effect like like you would for like an italian bolognese mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it she would just kind of cook it to get the scent off the the pork scent off right. you know what i mean because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a lot of like chinese and taiwanese dishes they want to get that uh meat stink like, off. like it's whole way yeah 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 exactly yeah. um so she would just do that and then and then add the liquid and then braise it but apparently my grandmother would like mostly steam it which i think is a much more old school way to make meat that's so amazing yeah like just the different ways that we did things through time in our family yeah and like how you would also reinterpret this dish i mean right i've never even heard of what is it some people it's call like, it too, honestly, yeah. I'm, i think that you and i are both like children in terms of like the chinese yeah. language so we'll just call i mean it yeah i mean are you going to be making this like shortly after this? Epi? I really want to. So I got the uh, I got the ingredients list, which is, which is very simple. So I'm going to try different things and see if I can approximate it. Um, I feel like it's kind of like a tuna sandwich, like simple is met- is better to start with. So um, I'm I, it's Wei Chen is the brand that she would use for the um, guagua. <laughs> for the so, yeah. Uh, yeah. We should we should definitely get together where I will make yeah. the my my grandmother's yangchun and your guacuaro. That would be awesome. And then we can <laughs> put it on a reels on our Instagram, <laughs> which is basically. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I could see if I could somehow, I don't think they have it here, but we'll try to get the um, uitsu, the, Ooh, the, the liver. Yeah. And we'll see if we can, we can find, that shit is expensive. Though. So, like apparently that's a luxury, but like, yeah. or maybe it's not, I don't know. Maybe, so what's I the difference like between the time. that and then like the cod row that like you might have in like a Korean stew? Because this one's preserved, right? Uh, yeah. I Okay. So it literally, uh, gosh. Um, okay. This is a really horrible example. But you know, like um, the, the Taiwanese like sort of red bean paste dessert. It's like yeah. so thick. Yeah. So, like you, you bite into it and it's just like gel. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is what the liver would look like. Oh. Like, and so it's so condensed and it's so okay. thick and it's so... Like, it's just, you cut it with a knife. So then literally oh. it's strips of liver. <gasps> I think it, you would, I think, I think you I would, would like really it. love it. Is it, it. almost and like a batarga? I have, is is that a Spanish? <laughs> it's like an Italian, I think it's Italian, like, but that's more like dried. Yeah, yes, and this po- is like also po- dried. This is also oh, dried. okay, okay. So then it maybe seems it like is. maybe it's kind of similar. But people love to eat with like and drink it with beer. Ooh, you know okay, what I'm that saying? sounds really good. I actually think you would fucking love this because you yeah. love like organs. You love I like, like dank heavy flavors. flavors. Like, yeah, I think this is something you would like. It freaked me out as a kid, but then I saw all my cousins <laughs> eating it, and you know, like, you don't want to be left out. So like, no, I just like I I ate, I ate it too, being like, oh god, like this is so me too, freaking, me too. 
nasty, you know, like me too, like definitely. But um, yeah, I'm going to try to see if I can source that. But this has been just like so beautiful, Prisca, to be able to share this pocket of your memory with me and and our grandmothers being here in spirit with both of us. And we I think we're feeling them in the room right now. I think we're holding them very close to us because we've yeah. we've both lost our grandmothers. There's nothing so there's nothing as sweet as like especially if you grew up with your grandparents and you have a good relationship with them. There's nothing as sweet as that grandparent love, especially in an immigrant setting, because you are their hope and you are their like light, you know. And for all the things I had issues with, like maybe like my mom, our moms being very hard on us. We still had these grand maternal grandmother figures that um, just accepted us for who we were. And I think that in and of itself is so precious because I feel like we are a part of our grandparents, but we're not an extension of them the way that we are for our mothers and it makes it a little bit easier. Like I feel like if, you know, you have any sort of like, however you might have a a childlike figure in your future, your mother would treat them really differently than she treated you because it's, it's not so much an extension of herself as like someone that's a part of her lineage that is just precious and cute and sweet and not her responsibility, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think we were the product of having just a lot of love in our lives, you know? We are very lucky indeed, my love. Yeah. Well, on that note, do you hear that coming? <laughs> <laughs> I just... <laughs> There's no, there's the, no easy the way to listen picks. Soul Train literally hits us out of nowhere in the strangest of times when we're in our deep, like, I swear, every Deepest single episode, feels. we're like deep I in know. our feeling fields. And then we're just like, oh God, the train is coming. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, well, Roxy oh. has a hard out. So we're going to just do one little unsolicited pick uh, this week. I hope you guys are enjoying the season so far. We're having, you know, this back half of the season, we're having a lot of fun. We're digging yeah. into a lot of things. We're trying different formats. And uh, we're going to close out the season really strong with another two, three episodes. And uh, we just really appreciate you, Goatees, like being with us. If. You want you to like see what us you're hearing. <laughs> yeah. If you like what you're hearing, yes, of course, donate. please always go to our website, click on the donate button, and continue to support your two favorite horny goats. And if you uh, are part of any college uh, group or, or any sort of, uh, I don't know, club or organization and you want some speakers for some sort of thing or hosts for an event... Uh, let us know. Like we are in boxes. We open. are for hire. We would love to come speak and give a workshop. Um, we have a myriad of topics you can look through. You know all of our episodes. We 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 want to empower and lead. You know especially you know femme folks in the Asian American community. So I also want to find an opportunity to not have to sell my feet on uh, feet picks on feet yeah. finder anymore. We're so. both very poor. <laughs> <laughs> very it's been a hard year, y'all. but very poor. It's been, it's yeah. been a hard year, y'all. I mean, it's, 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 been a hard year. it's like I say this, you know, I was like reading something somewhere today and then it says the good, the good old days that we will talk about in the future is right now. Yeah. So we're enjoying every step of it together, but we would love to come see you and uh, breathe in air together and, uh, you know, hold space together. So on that note, what are your what um, is your pick this week? Um, What is your pick? So I have been listening to a new podcast called The Retrievals. Mm -hmm. It's a New York Times podcast. I think they are also like a co-pro with um, serial production. So if you're into that serial kind of like format tone, this is very much that. Uh, It's about a Yale Yale fertility clinic. Mm -hmm. And um, basically all of these women were going in to either get their eggs uh, extracted or, you know, like post IVF and like or, or to do IVF or or, you know, uh, to freeze their eggs or whatever it was. They're going mm-hmm. to their f- fertility clinic and they're experiencing extreme pain. And a great number of these women uh, <gasps> were not about this. Yeah. Yes. They like weren't listened to by their doctors. Mm-hmm. They were at, they asked for more pain medication and were told, like, we're giving you the max amount of fentanyl. Um, and, and a lot of these women actually walked away being like, I guess my I'm resistant to fentanyl, which is like 
apparently like not a thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you're being gaslit like this, these women were experiencing excruciating pain and literally because of the way the medical system is presented, they were either ignored or they decided to proceed with such pain because otherwise they would ovulate and lose these precious eggs. Oh, my God. Turns out this is like kind of a spoiler alert if you really don't want to know. But also they present it within like the first 20 minutes. So, you know, if you really want to skip forward 30 seconds or whatever, the nurse that was attending these women, she was stealing fentanyl and then injecting (sighs) saline back into the fentanyl. Oh, my God. So this this lady, she was she's a mother. um, And I guess she was like having custody battles over her kids during the pandemic. And this is like the way she she but she was literally the one holding their hands and telling them, like, don't worry, you're going to be okay. This This is the highest amount. Yeah, I'm pushing the max amount for you. This is so fucked. Yeah. So it's a really interesting listen. And it, it 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 beyond the story itself, it's like a great insight into, you know, in the US we have the highest infant mortal mortality rate and the highest like maternal mortality rate post birth. So it gives you insight into how the medical system looks at women or hears women or what he, women undergo um and put up with uh because of the way the medical system is set up. And it also kind of gives insight into Yale. It's like the Louis Vuitton of medical. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. when you have that brand on you, how much are people going to just assume you're doing things correctly? It's it's going off of what you're saying. Like, this sounds so horrendous. And like, but just generally women, we are expected to bear more pain, physical and emotional pain. Right. Like, I don't know if you saw this recent like New York Times article about like how menopause and the pain of menopause is not being discussed as openly and how a woman is breaking through with her article about like the studies of menopausal pain and how like, again, it is a thing that like doctors and the medical industry sort of dis- discounts pay and no mind to sweeps under the rug and it's just like yeah. oh no you're just going through a thing like i it's just i don't know as i get older i'm just i'm trying to be a little bit more holistic because at least the medical system and structure in our country just isn't really set up to help women and like the people of color yeah right um but 100% this sounds fascinating. Yeah, I definitely love listen. cereal. So, and I, I just love the way they tell their stories. So, like, yeah. I definitely want to check this out. Speaking of women, my yeah. unsolicited pick also, <laughs> on a lighter note, but also very femme-centric, yes. is um, this new restaurant that opened up in Silver Lake <gasps> called Ooh. The Ruby Fruit. Wait, what? What does the ruby fruit pertain to? The vagina. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is this the gay bar? Yeah. Yes! So the ruby fruit is a lesbian bar, um, but also a restaurant. And uh, oh. me, me and my friends went to go check it out yesterday. Me <gasps> and one of my one, <laughs> me and my girl Hanul, we've been having this like on and off. Will they? Won't they? For the past several years. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's just funny. I mean, um, you know, she's like my my DP's gaffer. And like, we just had this. Like, it's adorable. One day she'll fall in love with me. But yes. um, sh- we went to Ruby Fruit. And it's just like so amazing. Because I remembered when I was growing up that West Hollywood had Truck Stop. Which oh. was like the lesbian bar. But then it closed like yeah, shortly yeah, yeah. after I moved to L.A. So there really wasn't like a place where I really loved thriving <laughs> in terms of, like, you know, um, a lesbian space. But like, go. Going into the Ruby Fruit, like it was all women and yes. like like everybody working there were all just gay and <gasps> like the food was really gay. Oh. And so it was just like I know, it was just like everything was done so pretty and like <gasps> everything was so tasty and everything <gasps> was so you know, it was just like everything was so gay. Like it was oh. so gay in the most beautiful way. And I had a really, really good time. <laughs> they had this dish that was like an eggplant. It was very tasty. It was like an eggplant dish with like they put plums and tomatoes in it so literally everything has some sort of like fruit element to it that I thought was very interesting it was just perfect for summer (gasps) um yeah, it was just all the food is good. They had this amazing fish dip, which is a fish dip is a very lesbian thing. So Hell, uh, yeah, I mean, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> I like the like the reclaiming of things. You know what I mean? I like yeah. the tongue in cheek. I like the yeah, we know. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, perfect. I love that. So it's where, have you been to Azette? 
No. Uh, okay, so is that so that it's where is that used to be? Is that okay. a French bar, um, oh, a French wine bar? So then they, it's really tiny. So, um, but anyways, we just had a blast. It's very new. Please go check it out. And just by the way, even though it's a lesbian bar, y'all like it's inclusive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Please go and support. Like there it's were just men, a safe you know, on the, it's, space it's for a safe lesbians. Space. Absolutely. You know, if you're a straight guy going in there, you're more than welcome. But just just if you ever feel like you have to fold yourself smaller to be in that space, just know that that's how women feel 98 percent of the time. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. So, yeah, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry you have to feel a little uncomfortable, but like. Get used to it. It's fine. Get used to it. Get used to it. But yeah, definitely check it out. Okay. Um, Prisca, this has been so much fun. Thank you for sharing so much with me. And go tease. We love love you. you. I love you all. We love you guys. And we will see you soon. Have a horny week. I lovely go tease. And remember, stay horny. Listening to Haunt Me by Your Crush, our very talented, amazing friends. Stream and download it wherever you get music. The CEO is acting cool. Here's the song I wrote for you. You weren't that deep, a little dumb. How could I fall for someone like you? And I swore that I moved on, moved on. Stay